welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and today I give you the female guide to muscle growth. So originally, this was episode 351. So if you are a OG listener, if you've been around for over half the time we've had this podcast, then you may have heard this episode. But for most of you guys, you may have not heard this. And for most of you who have heard this, it's probably good that you hear it again because this is a controversial topic uh, to a lot of people because, well, it's just done poorly. And there's so many women who listen to this podcast who are after a specific physique. They want a quote-unquote toned body. And the problem is, is they're constantly dieting, which means they're in a chronic deficit. They do a ton of cardio. They usually do the wrong type of training when it comes to building muscle. And they fear building muscle because they assume they're going to get bulky. Now, a lot of you listening might know that that's a myth. It's not going to happen. I mean, the reality is, is I'm 29 years old. I have pretty damn good hormone levels. And I do everything humanly possible to try to get as, quote unquote, bulky as possible. I'm trying to get jacked. And I'm still not that big. So, ladies, you really have nothing to worry about when it comes to getting bulky unless you are taking exogenous steroids in performance enhancement drugs, which I know most of us are not. Now, the point of me saying this is muscle growth is a very key uh, – it's a key path. It's a key part of achieving that quote-unquote toned look. Most women are after this lean, athletic, quote-unquote toned. I say quotes because it's not an actual thing. You can't tone a muscle. But we know what we're talking about when women say they want a toned body. Well, the truth is you have to build muscle in order to accomplish that. You can't just lose weight. You have to lose body fat and build muscle tissue because the muscle tissue is what gives you the toned look. And today I'm going to teach you exactly how to do that. So in this podcast, The Female Guide to Muscle Growth, we are going to show you exactly what to do with your training, your nutrition, your hydration, your supplementation, nutrient timing, macros, really everything from A to Z that is actually important when it comes to building muscle as a female and how you should phase that throughout the year so you're not chronically in a deficit or a diet chasing this result but only getting weight loss which leaves you kind of skinny fat at the end of the day to be honest so now I'm not going to ramble too much longer so without any further ado uh, we'll get right into this but again guys remember that this is an old episode we are repurposing for multiple reasons and I uh, even if you have listened to this before I highly recommend you stick around you listen to it again because whether you coach females or you are a female this is the best female guide to muscle growth that I am aware of in the podcast space. It was one of our most popular episodes, and that's why we are bringing it back. Now, without any further ado, let's get into this episode. First thing we need to talk about when we consider female muscle growth, period, is why. Why should you be doing this? Your goal is fat loss. Your goal is to look lean. Your goal is to get, quote unquote, toned. Why does building muscle why is that important? Now, some of you may be listening to this and understand why. Some of you are coaches. Some of you have learned from great coaches. And some of you have no idea why. You think that all that matters is weight loss. And I'd have you consider that we should be really targeting fat loss, not weight loss. And there's a big difference here. Total weight loss is not always going to end up how you would think it will or look as you would hope it would. When we are targeting pure fat loss, we are not losing any muscle mass, no muscle tissue, and no muscle glycogen. So the only thing being lost is actually fat tissue. This gives us a completely different appearance at the end of a fat loss phase. Now, fat on our body still has a very important role, specifically with women. Um, as, as many people know, fat in general is actually a precursor for hormones. So we need to consume fats in our diet. One of the main reasons is because it allows our hormones to function properly and actually be produced in our body. 
well, when fat is stored on our body, it has the same effect. So a lot of reproductive hormones, a lot of hormones in general for both men and women actually run off body fat. So when we consider metabolic adaptation, when we consider all these uh, biofeedback markers that, for lack of better terms, go to shit, when you diet to very, very lean levels, let's take a bodybuilder or bikini athlete or physique competitor um, as an example, one of the reasons they suffer from these negative biofeedback symptoms is not only because they're on low calories, but it's because they have low body fat levels. So a lot of people assume as you diet and your calories get lower, your biofeedback in your hormones, your metabolism, so on and so forth, slow down, get negatively abused, so on and so forth, and they are right. But that's not the only reason. One of the reasons is also because your body fat levels are so low. And this is why uh, during a reverse diet of a somebody who got to stage lean levels of body fat, they can still see a lot of negative feedback, a lot of negative biofeedback with their hormones if they don't reverse their calories up quick enough. So I talked about that a little bit in the reverse diet podcast, which I will link in the show notes. Um, but essentially what happens is if your body fat is so low and you reverse diet, this sounds horrible, but if you reverse diet so successfully um, and you do so so slow that you don't reestablish any body fat, so you don't put on any more body fat after the diet, you will actually still feel all the negative repercussions that came about from dieting in the first place. So it's not just from the calories being low, it is also from the body fat in your body. So not only do we need to consume fat, but we need to store some fat. Um, that being said, I think most of the people listening to this know that by now, and I hope most of you guys can either A, I guess I shouldn't say that you should know this because many of us still suffer from uh, negative body image issues or we just don't like what we see in the mirror or we have an issue with gaining fat, period. And that's one of the things I'm going to talk about today is just the mental side of this. It can be hard, but we have to understand that there is a healthy level of leanness, which is lean enough for everybody. And then there's a unhealthy level of leanness. And for some individuals, we can't have shredded abs year-round and still maintain hormonal health. It's just not possible. Uh, but you can get very, very lean and look very, very lean, especially with a shirt on, which is how we spend 99% of our days here on earth. Um, anyway, so that being said, one of the reasons why women should really focus on implementing some type of periodization plan into their diet is because it allows us to take phases away from these low calories um, to avoid these negative symptoms and metabolic adaptations. And one positive thing in order to both A, fix this um, metabolic adaptation, I shouldn't say fix as if it's broken, but um, reverse this metabolic adaptation or avoid these negative adaptations and actually lead to a leaner looking physique in the future is to implement hypertrophy phases. So lean gain phases where we are strictly trying to build muscle. And yes, that means we are going to gain a little bit of weight, uh, but keyword a little bit. And I'm going to talk about rate of gain here soon. But the point being is if we can take breaks from dieting to get super, super lean and we can spend some time maintaining and then even spend some time trying to build strength and muscle mass, we can take our body out of this deficit. We can allow our body to have a uh, sustainable level of body fat for our health and hormones to adequately improve and then we can come back to the diet later on when our body is healthy and actually ready and this is why I we, when we work with a lot of clients we either a make sure we're implementing these phases or b we actually take them through a what we call a priming phase before the diet even starts and this means when a client comes on board and their main goal is weight loss or fat loss we may not jump right into a caloric deficit because their body might not be healthy enough to do so 
we may spend at least two to three weeks, but even some sometimes four, six, eight, up to three months even, not necessarily reverse dieting, but building them up in many different aspects, building up the recovery, building uh, up their stress capacity, their ability to handle stress, um, lowering their stress, so managing it a little bit better, increasing their calories, improving their training, improving their sleep, doing all these things that is essentially going to get their metabolism and their body in a more responsive place. And when they are in this more responsive place, we can then create a deficit and boom we see very successful fat loss. So one of the reasons why women should be targeting periodized hypertrophy, hypertrophy being muscle growth, is just because of this. This is going to set you up for future fat loss in a much more sustainable manner. So instead of me taking eight months to just continually diet until you get lean enough, and then you get to this point where you're hurting, your body is kind of in a, in, in a position, I don't want to say suffering, but for lack of better terms, like you're just not feeling good. Your biofeedback is poor. Your hormones might be um, a little bit – there might be a little bit of hormonal adaptation and your hormones are negatively impacted. I'm trying to – you guys can tell you I'm thinking hard. I'm trying to choose my words wisely because I don't want anybody to ever think that they are broken or they are going into starvation mode because those things just don't exist. Those are not reality. Um, it is not true and it's just fear-mongering to buy into whatever – uh, poorly educated coaches are trying to sell you, but th that's another topic for another day. The point here is that if you can, rather than taking eight months to just diet straight, you can implement phases of dieting to avoid the adaptations and actually build muscle along the way. So two things will happen. A, you will get to your fat loss easier. B, you will have a better metabolism, a healthier metabolism when you reach your fat loss goal. And C, your physique will look massively different when you get there. You will not be quote unquote skinny. You won't be skinny fat either. You won't even just be thin. You will be dense. You will be lean. You will be toned. I know tone for the coaches listening. Toning is not a word. You can't tone a muscle. But we all know when what we mean by tone. And when I think it's funny when coaches and trainers tell clients that toning is not a word. You don't want to get toned. You want to get lean or you want to build definition or whatever it may be. We know what they're saying. <laughs> Just give them what they want. Like it doesn't matter what terminology they use because in their mind, that's what they want. So if they want to get toned, we're going to help them get toned. Uh, but the point being is tone is a way of, of building lean muscle tissue. So when you do get lean, we're not targeting weight loss. We're targeting fat loss. We're losing as much fat while building as much muscle as possible. So we get to a point where we look lean, athletic, dense, firm, tone, whatever word you want to use. This is how you do so. We need to prioritize periodization and implement maintenance phases and lean gain phases so that you're not constantly in a caloric deficit. You're not negatively impacting your hormones or your metabolism. And that when you get to your physique goal, your ending goal, you are actually at a physique that is impressive even to you. It looks good and it feels good too. You're strong. Now, that being said, what is a good rate of gaining in these phases? And what does a timeline of this periodization look like? So we understand why it's important. It's important for health. It's important for maintaining and sustaining that weight loss, fat loss goal. It's important because it's not going to wreck your body as badly and it's more sustainable long term. Um, and the less we can yo-yo back and forth, the healthier your hormones are going to be and the more sustainable this level of leanness will be. That being said, what does a timeline look like? I typically like to see fat loss anywhere between three to six months. Six months being a little bit slower pace, um, either A, for the individual who is implementing more diet breaks along the way, or B, for the individual who is obese or has more weight to lose. So if you are somebody who has 
50 pounds to lose, we can extend this to six months without any real concern of negative adaptations because we have to remember that the more body fat on your body you have, that is a health uh, impact as well. That's a negative health impact as well. So we don't have to worry about a low-calorie diet. In fact, the low-calorie diet temporarily might actually be healthier for you than keeping the fat on your body. But this also works for lean individuals who would rather take a slower pace and have more diet breaks. So maybe you're doing two weeks of dieting, two weeks of maintaining, or two weeks of dieting, one week of maintaining, or even like 10 days on, five days off, and you do that for a longer period of time. So instead of going straight shot for 12 weeks, you're extending that to 24 weeks, six months, and you're just taking a little bit longer, you're implementing more diet breaks because it's easier for you to sustain that with more frequent high-calorie days. That's totally fine as well. But the cut phase is going to be anywhere between three to six months. After that, you're going to want to have a maintenance phase uh, before jumping into a, a gaining phase. And the reason for this is simple. We want to try to maintain the level of leanness we achieved without rebounding um, and without yo-yoing our metabolism around too much. Um, I do believe in a recovery diet. So if you spend three to six months cutting and you get pretty lean, you do need to bump your calories up pretty quickly at the beginning, but you do not need to bump them all the way up to maintenance. You need to bump them up to what I call a soft maintenance. A soft maintenance is still below your true maintenance, but it is more relative to what your new maintenance is after being on a diet for three to six months. This is going to be lower than what we want to build your calories to, but it's a big enough jump up from the deficit that allows hormones to start feeling a little bit better, biofeedback to improve, sleep and stress to improve, training to improve, and you're going to retain a little bit of uh, weight. Usually the weight is going to be three things. It's going to be A, water, because food and glycogen and more food means more sodium in general because we salt foods or we consume foods that have sodium in it. Um, when we have more food, carbs, and sodium, we pull more water in, so naturally we're going to store more water in our body. This isn't necessarily a bad thing because the second thing that this weight is is glycogen, which is stored carbohydrates. Glycogen is primarily stored in the muscle cell. So if we bump our calories up after a diet and we do it pretty aggressively, but we're also training hard and we're eating well and hydrating well, we are likely going to be storing carbs as glycogen in the muscle cell and that the glycogen is going to be pulling more water into the muscle cell. So we actually will have a fuller look, a denser look, training will be better, recovery will be better, and your muscles will be more pumped. It's not body fat, it's just weight on the scale, but it's not bad weight. The second thing this is, it's just food volume. As we increase calories, we naturally have more food in our gut, literally, in our gut and our intestines, so that is going to weigh down the scale. So when we go from a cut to our maintenance phase, it is an initial bump up that is aggressive enough that it is not a 50 to 100 calorie jump. Like I'm talking, give yourself a solid at least 250 calories, but sometimes up to 500. It depends on the individual we're working with here, but we might bump up. 30 grams of uh, carbs, 10 grams of fat, 50 grams of carbs. It just it really depends on the individual, how aggressive they dieted, how uh, how big of a gap they have between their current deficit calories and their new maintenance calories. But nonetheless, we're going to give them an aggressive bump up to a point where they start to feel a little bit better across the board. And they might gain a pound or two, but they're not gaining a substantial amount of weight that looks or appears to be negative in the mirror because obviously – that's the main goal, not the scale weight, but what we see in the mirror and how we perform in the gym. That's primarily our goals, um, and, and for everybody listening to this, I'm sure you can agree with that. Now, from here, we've bumped up. We're feeling better. Biofeedback's improving. We're going to stay here for a solid one to two weeks. Then we're going to have another bump up probably about the same, if not half. 
So 0.5 to one times uh, the amount that you already adjusted upwards. So now we're taking another initial bump. We're probably going to retain another couple pounds at most of water, uh, carbohydrates, and, and uh, just food volume in our stomach. Now the thing to note here is there are some people who uh, are what we would call hyper-responders, and really they don't have a uh, monstrous metabolism or anything like that, there is a reversal metabolic adaptation happening here, a positive metabolic adaptation happening here. And basically what's happening is their knee goes up. So um, they increase carbs, it increases water, they get a little more hydrated, their energy expenditure goes up from their training in the gym because they're training harder, and they naturally have more energy because they have more calories, and therefore they're walking around more, they're standing more, they're talking more, they're blinking more, knee goes up, period. This leads to more calories expended throughout the day. So they kind of make up for this calorie increase by also burning more calories throughout their day. Add to that, many people's digestion speeds up quite a bit when we reverse diet. So the reason I'm telling you this is because if you're the individual who only gains a pound and you increased a lot of calories, great. There's nothing wrong with that. As long as you are leading your adjustments by your biofeedback being positive, not necessarily your weight. Now, there are some people who are going to retain two, three, four pounds. Measurements are fine. Performance is fine. They look in the mirror. No big deal. Everybody's individual. It does not matter. Um, that being said, we're going to spend a solid one to two months here at maintenance. Um, two months is probably as far as I would take it. Um, one month is right in that middle ground. Two weeks is a minimum. But nonetheless, if we want to approach this gaining phase, this hypertrophy phase as a female and stay lean, we want to make sure we do things a little bit slower than, uh, than I would recommend for somebody who is really in a uh, – negative hormonal place, somebody who is really hurting on the hormonal front, we're going to just bump calories up really quick for those individuals because we want them feeling better more than we care about their aesthetic physique. But if you did the diet right, you can take about one to two months for this maintenance phase and it's kind of like your transition. Um, again, at least two weeks but upwards of eight weeks just depends on how much time you have, how patient you are, and what the end goal is. Um, if you still have more weight to lose, you don't even need to go into a gaining phase. You can actually extend this maintenance phase um, up to three months and then just go right back into the cut. So you're not really focusing on gaining any weight, gaining any muscle. You just want to bring your calories up to an appreciable amount where you feel better and your hormones and metabolism and biofeedback improves across the board. Spend enough time there to really establish this and then go back into the cut. But for those who have uh, goals that stretch out a little bit long term, you don't have much weight to lose or you can look at your physique right now and you can say you're at the weight you thought you needed to be at. However, you don't look the way you wanted to look and you still feel like you need more fat to lose. You are the, the people who I am talking to with this gaining phase. So if you fall into those categories of you have uh, – bigger physicals, you have a longer term timeline, or you know that you are at a low body weight, but you don't look how you want to look, you want to move from this maintenance transition phase into a gaining phase. And this gaining phase is going to last a solid four to eight months, um, up, to, up to a year depending on the individual's uh, level of uh, experience. So if you're a beginner, intermediate, or advanced, that being um, the, the closer you are to being an advanced dieter and trainer or lifter, the more likely you are to be spending a solid 8 to 12 months gaining. It just it takes a lot of time to build muscle comparative to lose weight or body fat. That being said, we need at least four months in this gaining phase. Rate of gain is the next thing. So we've kind of gone through this timeline where you're cutting for anywhere between three to six months, you're maintaining for anywhere between one to three months, and then you're gaining from anywhere between four to 12 months. But respectively, for most people listening, I think that's going to fall in the four to eight months range um, because that's enough time – 
at or slightly above maintenance, which I'm going to get to here in a sec, for you to truly build muscle mass, improve performance, increase strength, see progressive overload, and actually see some noticeable differences in your physique. Um, Caroline's a good example. I'll link the show uh, the uh, blog she wrote in the um, description of this podcast. And essentially, she gained 11 pounds over the course of time when we put her through a lean gaining phase. She did a diet for a photo shoot, maintained, uh, reverse dieted, went through a maintenance phase, and then we spent a solid at least six months. I want to say it was longer, maybe eight or even 10 or 11 months, like quite a long time. There's there's exact numbers of what she did inside that uh, blog, and I believe we did a podcast on it as well, all which I'll link in the show notes. But um, she gained 11 pounds, so 11 pounds of uh, good weight. She could still see the outlines of her abs. She didn't get fat. Um, there's a noticeable difference. And then she followed that up with a, I want to say like a four-month, five-month cut to get on stage. And her the difference between her photo shoot that she did originally and the uh, her body on stage for the bikini competition is insane. And, and I honestly believe we can contribute a lot of that to the fact that she just put on a lot of muscle mass. So when she went to diet again, she looked tremendously different at a very similar body weight. Um, now, rate of gain. How fast should you be gaining? So there's some numbers I'm going to throw out here. So grab your pen and be ready to take this down. Um, if you were a beginner in the gym, so you are new to lifting, you are new to dieting, you haven't been doing this for longer than a year or two, um, so less than two years of experience, you're going to want to aim for 1% to 1.5% of body weight gained per month. So we're going to use a 125-pound female as an example here. I think this is a good example because I see a lot of women who cut down to anywhere in the 110 to 130 range. Um, they get there and they're still not satisfied with where their physique gets. And this is when I have that conversation of like, hey, I think it's time to build some muscle. Um, you want to be leaner. However, you already are pretty lean. You tried to get leaner and it didn't successfully work because this is a good body weight for you to be at. And there's only one good answer for you at this point, And that's to spend some time building some muscle. So for these individuals uh, who are in the beginner stage, that's going to be 1 to 1.5% of body weight, which looks like 1.25 to 1.8 pounds per month. So one and a quarter to one and three quarters, basically, pounds per month for the 125-pound individual. For somebody who is intermediate, we're going to lower that even more because the more advanced you get, the less weight you should put on rapidly, um, the slower your rate of gain essentially gets. And this applies to men and women because – it's just that you are less likely to build muscle fast <laughs> the more experience you get, unfortunately, um, which is funny because the smarter you get, the stronger you get, the less gains you get, which doesn't make any sense. But um, physiologically, it does. So for the intermediate uh, female lifter, you're going to be targeting 0.5 to 1% of body weight per month gained. And this is going to be about 0.6 to 1.25 pounds. And then for the advanced individual, it's up to 0.5% of body weight. So that means anywhere from 0 to 0.6 pounds um, of weight gain per month. And advanced lifter, I would classify as somebody who is either A, has five or six years of consistent and intelligent training under their belt, or B, um, an individual who has the fundamentals broken down, understands periodization, you have been following consistent programs for four plus days per week for more than a few years. And, and the reason I put those caveats out is because I know plenty of people who fall into the intermediate category who have been training for nine years. They haven't trained 
hard or with intelligent periodization for long enough to be considered an advanced athlete. Or I know a lot of people, and I even fell into this category. I trained consistently for three or four years and I thought I was advanced. But then I really started to learn and learn and learn and implement and understand what true strength training was. And I would bring myself back down to an intermediate for a few more years uh, before I considered myself an advanced athlete. I wouldn't even say – I would say after seven years of training, I became an advanced lifter. Um, and, and for some people, it only takes three years to get to that level. So it's really dependent on the training experience. But in general, usually we see like one to two years or less being beginner, three to four years being intermediate, and then anything above five years being advanced lifters um, if we look at a timeline. Now – what are we going to do with calories? So we know that we are going to be chasing a 1 to 1.5% of body weight gain per month if we are a beginner. Uh, if you're an intermediate, that is going to be 0.5 to 1% of body weight. In advance, it's going to be up to 0.5% of body weight gain per month, and that's going to be distributed across the weeks. Ideally, you're not gaining all of that in one week because we know that it's a rebuilding tissue is a slow process, so that's spread pretty evenly across the month. What we need to do then is decide how many calories we need to increase. So for women, this is all a very slow process. And, and I do that on purpose with the women that I am working with for a few reasons. Number one, mentally it is hard to gain weight for anybody, um, but it tends to be more difficult for women. It's just common in what we see in our coaching practice. Um, it's difficult for me too. But because of this and because of hormone levels and because of uh, typical weight lifted by men tends to be higher um, relative to the body weight, um, not necessarily because men are stronger than women because the lower body, it's damn near close if not the same. Um, and I know women who have stronger lower bodies uh, relative to weight, but for upper body, men have bigger musculature and the total weight lifted just tends to be heavier. Um, and we have higher testosterone levels and growth hormone levels. And for that reason, we can see a, a faster rate of gain. Um, so all these percentages are pretty slow um, and it's relative to body weight. And because of that, we're going to take a very gradual and slow approach to the calorie increase as well because what we don't want to do is gain fat in the process. Nobody wants to build muscle and fat and then have to chip away at it and have this yo-yo effect. Most of the women we help want to look at this long term. They want to see something sustainable and they want to get to that lean physique they imagine and to do that we need a slow rate of gain and that's the process of lean gaining so for individuals who are beginners and we are targeting one to 1.5 percent of body weight gain per month you're going to increase your calories by about 15 percent if you cannot achieve uh, muscle growth at maintenance so what i typically recommend and this is kind of going against what thermodynamics would tell you and, and i think that anybody who leans on the crutch of thermodynamics who just says Calories in versus calories out is all that matters. You need a surplus to gain. You need a deficit to lose. I think they lack true uh, real-life anecdote and true uh, coaching experience because anybody who has years and years of coaching experience or more will tell you that you can very much so gain muscle mass or lose body fat while it maintains calories. In fact, there's studies coming out now proving this right, which is really, really cool to see. Um, I believe Eric Helms is actually a part of one. I believe – uh, Mike Matthews, who I've had on the podcast a couple times, he is actually, him and Legion are actually funding one of these like lean gain studies where they're approaching muscle growth at maintenance, which is really, really cool to see. But I've seen it happen many times. So before we even increase calories, we, we know that you're implementing this gaining phase. Uh, we know what your timeline is. We know what percentage of body weight gain per month we want to target. The next thing is to try to accomplish this for the first month without even going into a surplus. So the key is to find your maintenance. And I'm going to link the body recomp blog I did because that's kind of what I would suggest. It's 
finding your maintenance calories, and then optimizing everything we can to build muscle mass without going into a surplus. So what this is going to look like is find maintenance calories, optimize your training split. This could be uh, most likely is going to have to be four, five, or six days a week of lifting, higher frequency. So I typically like for muscle growth, I like upper lower splits, uh, full body splits work as well. But my favorite for, for females is going to either be A, an upper lower split with an extra leg day. So it would be lower, upper, lower, upper, lower, and then you're doing abs on those leg days. Um, so the upper body days have more volume purely on upper body because there's more musculature. But the lower body has the ab work as well, and it's spread out more evenly throughout the week because there's three leg days per week. And what this is going to lead to is uh, more more volume, essentially. Um, we have a program uh, like this in the Elite called the Goddess Program. So there's three leg days, two upper body days, or we have a uh, upper-lower push-pull legs. And this one is going to have three leg stimuluses as well. So you have an, a lower day and a leg day, so upper, lower, push, pull legs. However, on the pull day, uh, primarily rowing and pulling for the upper body, we are going to do a little bit of glute work. And that's going to be via back extensions, uh, glute dominant back extensions, and a sumo deadlift. Um, and we are we actually launched this today. Uh, in the Elite, we have a new program called the Female Physique. And this is ran through True Coach, and you can experience exactly what I'm talking about right now. It's a five day split targeting the legs three days a week, similar to the Goddess, but it's a, a slightly different approach. And that is, again, an upper lower push pull legs with three stimulus days of legs in general and glutes specifically. Um, but either way, training needs to be optimized. So if you're training three days a week, full body, four days a week, whatever it may be, CrossFit, doesn't matter. If you want to build muscle, we have to optimize training, um, volume, intensity, and frequency, and uh, the types of exercises you are actually doing. So we're hitting the glutes and the hamstrings and the quads, your biggest muscles in your body from multiple different angles and multiple different movement patterns so that we're getting the biggest bang for our buck essentially every week. So first and foremost, we find maintenance. Then we're going to optimize training. We're going to optimize cardio by not doing a ton of cardio. <laughs> we're actually not going to do much at all. Instead, we're going to have one restorative cardio day. So that's going to be the uh, one day you're not lifting and then one day is a rest day. You always have one solid rest day per week. The restorative cardio day is going to be either sled pulls, assault bike, um, or uh, some kind of incline walking or, or hiking or something like that. Preferentially, you're doing sled pulls or assault bike because there's no concentric. So it's all, I'm sorry, there's no eccentric loading of the muscle. It's all concentric, which is going to lead to less muscle damage and less DOMS. And it's just going to help bring blood flow into the muscles a little bit better to help recovery. Blood flow and oxygen come in, recovery speeds up. It's easier to get back into the sessions the next days. Um, that's going to be your cardio. You have one day a week of concentric only cardio. The rest of your cardio comes from neat. So you're going to be doing morning walks, just have a high step count, so on and so forth. That's going to keep you lean during this process. And it's going to help recovery because you're moving quite a bit. Then you're going to optimize macros. Typically, we're going to be somewhere in the range of a 40-40-20 split or even like a 35-45-20. So high protein, high carb, for relatively low fat. Um, your fat's going to be 20 to 25% at most of your calories, ideally 20%. Um, and that's going to be plenty for you to have optimal hormones and health because you're at maintenance calories. You're not in a deficit. So right off the gate, if you're not in a deficit, we're not going to have to worry too much about any hormonal issues from your diet anyway. But on top of that, 20% of your calories 
while at maintenance calories is plenty to have an optimal hormonal and neurological system functioning. So your macro is going to be anywhere between the 40-40-20 to the 35-45-20 split. Um, and then from there, we're just going to optimize sleep. So the next thing is just really making sure that your sleep is adequate. Seven hours at least, nine hours would be ideal, which is pretty unrealistic for most people. So just aim for seven to eight. Uh, but nonetheless, sleep is a huge, huge, huge proponent and, and uh, critical key for muscle growth. It, it goes under underrated tremendously. And, and you can see people literally get jacked by just getting extra sleep every night or taking naps. It's pretty insane. Um, it's just hard to do. So, But the point is, is you have to have some kind of priority on sleep. And the last thing I would say is some form of nutrient timing. So we're at maintenance calories, our training is optimized, our macros are set, our cardio is, is dialed in to not be too overwhelming, our sleep is on point. The next thing is just nutrient timing. So making sure that we're optimizing every single meal that we can. Um, this is going to come from eating at least three, but ideally what I see work best is four to five meals per day, having a meal about two hours prior to training that is uh, has both starchy carbs, so glucose and fruit, which is going to be fructose. The combination of these, they, they use separate glucose transporters. And if we combine different types of carbohydrates that use different glucose transporters, we can speed the absorption rate. We can speed up how fast and how well our body absorbs carbs before training. So a good way to increase carb delivery for better training, better pump, better blood glucose, better ATP for our performance is going to be having some starch and some fruit. I like to keep it at like an 80-20 split, so 80% starch slash glucose and 20% fruit slash fructose pre and post training. Low fat, so I like to keep it less than 10 grams for most people, um, but if you're a really light female, that could be even be 5 grams. It's fine. You don't want to have zero fat because if you have zero fat, you have no uh, – no buffer to slow that digestion down at all. Um, and you should have a lower glycemic pre versus post. So maybe your pre-workout meal is oatmeal with um, side of egg whites with one whole egg and then blueberries and oatmeal. So you have some fiber and some uh, fruit with the starch in the oatmeal and then you have some good protein with a little bit of fat from the whole egg in the egg whites, um, in your eggs. Now you have protein, fat, carbs in the perfect ratio. Um, the macros will depend on the individual. I typically like to be anywhere, usually around one gram per kilogram, uh, but it depends on the person's overall macros for the day because um, I don't want to absorb too much macros for that meal. However, it tends to be about one gram per kilogram for a lean individual pre-workout about two hours prior, 80% starch, 20% fruit that works really, really well. And then post-workout, you're going to have a little bit more of a starchier carb, a higher glycemic, if you will. So think white potato or cream of rice or white rice, something like that with the same ratio of fat and fruit and starch. Then you're evenly distributing your protein throughout the rest of the meals, evenly distributing your fat throughout the rest of the meals. And ideally, evenly distributing the rest of your carbs throughout your meals, making sure that you're still getting good amount of fruit and veggies. But the complex carbs or the starchy carbs being spread out evenly is going to have a positive effect on insulin, growth hormone, uh, muscle protein synthesis with the protein in those meals, digestion, energy, blood glucose levels, so on and so forth. So I tend to find uh, prioritizing the pre and post workout like I just mentioned and then just spreading the rest of your nutrients out evenly across the day seems to be the best bet for pure muscle growth, no fat accumulation. So that being said, the last thing we will touch on with nutrient timing is that if you are an individual who trains for an hour or more, you can also add in an intra-workout carbohydrate. 
I tend to like highly branched cyclic dextrin just because it's easy to digest. But at the end of the day, we just want an easy digesting carb source. Um, even Gatorade works. Uh, but I, again, I tend to use highly branched cyclic dextrin in that intro workout window. So while I am training about 30 minutes into the session, I will start sipping on that. Um, the digestion rate of carbohydrates during training is actually pretty high, but I don't think you need that much. Um, I believe it's anywhere between 0.5 to 1 gram per minute. Um, so a gram an hour or 60 grams an hour basically. Um, but that depends on the individuals. And I also don't think you need, based on the research we do have this in my experience, you don't need 60 grams for an hour workout. Um, I've seen people get away with 15 grams in a workout and it still has a benefit. Especially because if you look at the research with uh, glucose swooshing in your mouth, basically rinsing glucose or like if you take in some Gatorade, you swish it around your mouth and spit it out just that insulin response of taking in some glucose in your mouth and your taste buds and your bile starting to extract that sees shows a positive response in your performance. So technically, you don't even need to consume it. So I wouldn't overdo it. Um, usually, it's anywhere between 15 to 40 grams for a one to one and a half hour training session. And I do like to couple that with either hydrolyzed uh, protein, so whey, um, or just essential amino acids. Some people don't like actually consuming chocolate whey protein, which I totally get. So just essential amino acids during that with the carbohydrate would be smart. Um, there's a lot we could get into with supplementation, but I would go back to the Recomp uh, article or podcast, which are both linked in the show notes of this podcast because I touch on that. But fish oil, vitamin D, um, whey protein, obviously, uh, pre-workout, creatine monohydrate, things like that. The basics are going to be really, really important here. So now we understand why it's important for women to periodize maintenance and lean gain phases. Uh, it's going to make you healthier. It's going to save your body in the long run. It's going to actually produce the result you want to produce, which I think is the big thing I want to highlight here. A lot of women are confused with why they should gain weight or gain muscle at certain periods of times. But the reality is, is if you want to achieve a dense athletic looking uh, body for, for those of you who do want to chase a quote unquote toned look, it really does take building muscle. You can lose a lot of weight and you will end up skinny fat and none of us want to end up that way. And that's the first thing that happened to me. So it's not just women. It happened to me too. But many women I work with are like, hey, I, I lost weight, but now I, I want more. I want to look denser. I want to look firmer. I, I want what I thought I was going to achieve by losing weight. And it's like, your goal wasn't weight loss. Your goal was fat loss. So let's build some muscle and then burn some more fat later on and give you through a phase of time where we can repair I shouldn't say repair, restore your body, re-refresh your body, so to speak, your hormones, your metabolism to get you ready to lose fat in the future. Um, the timelines are going to be anywhere between three to six months for cutting, one to three months for maintaining, and four to eight months for gaining. The rate of gains is going to be one to 1.5% of body weight for beginners, and that's going to be uh, done through increasing calories above maintenance after you've accomplished this month of maintenance. Uh, Intermediates, intermediates are going to be 0.5-1% of body weight gain per month, and advanced is going to be up to 0.5% of body weight per month. Um, all of this can be achieved at maintenance, uh, probably the lower end ranges of all those percentages, especially if you're a beginner, and I would suggest approaching this at maintenance first. So spend a month of dialing in the macros, the training, the cardio, the sleep, everything I just talked about um, while at maintenance calories to see if you can squeeze out any gains because if you want to make sure you're gaining pure muscle and not any added body fat, the best way to do it is that first. So if you spend a month or two trying to do this and you are gaining at the lower percentage, just keep going. If you start to plateau, which will happen, there's going to become a time where you have to increase calories a little bit. And what you are going to do is if you are a beginner, you're going to increase calories at about 
15% above maintenance. I would even say like 10 to 15% above maintenance, which usually is around 200 to 300 calories. If you don't want to use a percentage, that's a rough range, but that works pretty well. About 200 to 300 calories above maintenance or about 10 to 15% above maintenance. For intermediates, you're going to go about 5 to 10% above maintenance or at about 100 to 200 calories above maintenance. And then for advanced individuals, up to 5% above maintenance, which is really low, but it's a small, that, I mean, that could be like 50 to 100 calories, which is barely anything, but we want to take this slow. Um, anything above maintenance technically is a surplus and your rate of gain isn't going to be fast anyway because you've been doing this for years. So if you can gain a half a pound a month, you're crushing it, honestly, as a, as a, as a advanced lifter, even for myself, like that's, that's an appreciable amount of muscle mass built in a, in a month. So, um, that kind of wraps everything up. There's going to be a lot of extra resources in the show notes, so make sure you guys check those out. I hope this helped a ton. I've had a ton of requests to talk more about how women should go about gaining muscle and why they should be doing this. But one thing I can tell you is that we have worked with many, many women at this point who either A, came to us after a fat loss phase and needed to have a periodized maintenance block followed by a periodized lean gain phase, or we've taken clients all the way through their fat loss phase, gotten them to a point where they are lean, but they still wanted more. And then we approach this from a smart lean gain periodization phase after the fat loss. And then we come back to fat loss down the road when they want to get leaner. We've done this with countless women. It works tremendously well, and it is the right way to do things. At the end of the day, men and women aren't that much different in this sense that we should all be approaching our goals the same way. We should all be targeting muscle growth and we should all be targeting pure fat loss, not just weight loss. The difference is, is men can work at a slightly faster pace with weight gain, not only because mentally it's easier for us to be heavier, but also because we have the hormonal structure to allow more muscle growth at a faster pace. 